so going back to the very beginning when we're waking up at Layla's house. And also, by the way, is Hakan now like sleeping? I mean, granted, he's been sleeping at Layla's, but is his is he living in the cistern? In, yeah. Like the bed that his dad died in? I think so. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of beds there. <laughs> I think they have just like boxes all the time. Like she's either at school <laughs> boxing <laughs> or fake sweating. Yeah, that was whatever. That like, was, that was so much sweat. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, that. <laughs> from all that she, overnight boxing. She also was like spitting on the floor, which is like this is where you live. Like you're gonna have to clean up the spit. No one's gonna come <laughs> in and wipe it up for you. <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> Yeah, I don't That's know. He doesn't seem to be paying rent for any location that he's occupying. So no. either with, yeah, his old fuck buddy or with uh, <laughs> his new family. Unclear. True. So my current theory um, is that we're meant to kind of associate this malaria thing with the with bubonic COVID. plague thing of episodes oh, past. That yeah. this is like the immortals first move to kind of fuck with Istanbul. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Although I have to say, I don't remember that, that let's say that particular plague coming <laughs> up again. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it does in this season. Yes. Maybe I'm just forgetting it. But when I was rewatching the episode for this, I was surprised that they already had a kind of an outbreak of something in this episode. I don't know how fast spreading, I mean, malaria is purely transmitted by mosquitoes, right? So once they eradicate the mosquito, I guess it's it's not going to spread from person to person. But yeah, it should ew. be like COVID or something like that. Oh God, <laughs> easily transmissible. Transmissible? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? It's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was very strange. Like I, I guess like they're gonna like hone in on it in, in future episodes, but it just felt so out of the blue that I didn't quite understand what was the point of it. Yeah. I also was very confused about, like, how conversation-heavy the episode was and how, like, kind of trying to be very, like, reflective and philosophical, you know, about, like, parental roles and how you expect them to react towards you or feel towards you. And... I don't know. I feel like either they just wanted to paint a really nice picture of him before they killed him off, or like... Oh, no. Like, the conversations felt too deep for everything else that was going on in the episode. I don't know if you felt that Hmm. as well. I hadn't thought about it, just because this show kind of has its ups and downs in terms of, like, straight-up action and then, like, really cheesy deep talks. (laughs) So, for me, this was just on the deep talks part of the the curve. But, yeah, definitely compared to other episodes, and especially for an episode that opened with hints of a plague, it goes very much back to the plot-building character meant revealing info to the viewer kind of layout so it does feel a little bit now that we're looking at it after having watched it and and thought about it a little bit it does the whole thing does strike me a little bit as a weird setup yeah i i really hope that amir is okay i think he's really cute but 
I definitely agree with I have Sophia. A, I have like, a bullet point. Must I kill his ass? That's literally what I wrote. No, oh, no he's that so cute. How, he's so good. Um, I feel like maybe it's like, you know, a, one of those very typical TV devices where they make you care about the character yeah. more. And he's like very sweet and he wants his dad's approval and he's like offering to be part of Hakan's family, which is lovely. Yeah. So they just wanted us to really care about him before they took him away from us. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you can get invested in the unstable journalist because I'm pretty sure he's going to die too. Oh my god, that fucking guy. <laughs> but that guy's going to die in a very over-the-top way, I feel. <laughs> Are you sure you're not supposed to, like, just take a handful of whatever those pills L- are? Lithium carbonate? Yeah. yeah. That's, I feel like a couple will do the trick for your... I think it's used for bipolar disorder, so... Yeah, yeah. also for depression, though, but I don't... I guess he's not... I, he doesn't seem like depression would be what's coming up for him he also i don't know if you guys like thought this way about it but it seemed like he implied that he wanted to get revenge on mazar for something and i'm wondering like if that's what like fucked him up and made him like so crazy because he kind of like whispers under his breath after he's talking to hakan that like oh "Oh, i will get him oh okay i I always thought it was his his shtick was just like you know crazy journalist yeah yeah (laughs) but but i I missed that if he growled something under his breath yeah i think he's trying to get mazar okay subtitles are good for that uh when people mumble things (laughs) yeah (laughs) true but there was another thing that wording wise also left me thinking a lot which was you know when they say we talked last episode about possibly hakan's siblings not being dead Mm -hmm. and when they talked about Nishet's adopting Hakan, they say like, oh, Nishet found him in an orphanage. So that makes me think that somehow they like left the children alone after, like they, they didn't have control over what happened to the children immediately after, which also is very bizarre given that mm-hmm. they were literally at the house. That's true. I did. Um, yeah, I remember. I mean, in Turkish, I remember them saying like Nishet took him from a, an orphanage but i'm wondering if that was like literally just like a typo in the script because also i thought earlier they said that like all the orphanage stuff was all made up right so like, yeah they're a little confused about that I yeah think. it really reminds me of that time on full house when uncle <laughs> joey got his digs in the basement like a new room and then the next episode he still didn't have his own room it's like guys this is exactly <laughs> like that just saying (laughs) if only you had had a podcast back then (laughs) if only (laughs) continuity yeah i guess i didn't i just assumed that the twins were younger but i guess they were significantly older if if levance was already like doing protectorly duties they were like protectorly duties i think they were training at that camp right oh yeah okay where everyone got massacred, supposedly. Also, how gotcha. many freaking people were at that training camp? Like, aren't there two potential protectors to train? <laughs> or are they training just everybody? Like, there's an unspecified this, number of loyal. We have this ones. martial arts set up here. We have like nonstop boxing taught by Zeta. Please. Like. <laughs> Any real boxer would know that you don't hit the bag with just wraps on your hands. Like her hands would be so fucking bloody and like awful. Yeah. That would hurt so much. Oh. Well, but, she, but she's hitting. She's hitting a punching bag. So 
it wouldn't be as painful. Although just the friction, like she yeah, should have her hands not good. tied. She should have gloves on. Strap. So tune in next Monday for Sammy's new podcast. I'll kick your ass. I'll look at <laughs> boxing and its proper techniques. <laughs> she does hit hard though. She's great. <laughs> Props to her. <laughs> oh, I have a very tiny correction to make to the mm-hmm. summary that was given. Super, super important detail that Sophia messed up. He was not selling simit. He was selling rice with chicken. Oh yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say too. <laughs> it's like roast chicken and rice cart. Yeah, it's the best one of the best drunk foods, but yeah. also um, not served at breakfast, like Steve. <laughs> but also sold out of a cart. That's all. That's all I have to contribute to this. Thank you. It seems like my attention to detail needs some work. It's quite lacking. <laughs> it's fine. We'll get there. How do they sell rice and chicken in a street cart? Anyway. Have you, have you read we that? We always saw the novel where one of the characters is like selling that. Which one? A strangeness in my mind. It came out in like no. 2015. Wait, I started reading it, but I didn't. Fin- oh wait. Oh, Tell everyone about okay. every Orhan Pamuk novel. Ever. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> I started. I bought it. <laughs> oh, I was so impressed with Kemal this episode. Like, I think of him as like the kindly grandfather dude, but he's fucking fucking kick ass. That was God. awesome. Yeah. Rolled up to the club. Yeah. Wasn't taking names. Took out some bouncers. It was great. Also, we should definitely discuss how weird this like shift in Zainab is, or like unexpected. What what shift? What she do? Well, she hated Hakan, and now she's like pining over him and like sad about him not Aww. being there. And like Emir's like, oh, I think Zainab likes you. And Hakan's like, yeah, 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 yeah. What? That was weird. What? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was we were all like, does she? <laughs> yeah. I l- I think it made sense, like, when she was upset. Like, I could understand that. She was like, this fucking guy doesn't take his job seriously. Like, this is my entire life. What the fuck is wrong with him? Yeah. She was a little too, like, sad about it. I think she was probably more pissed, but I got that and her whole journey of, like, okay, well, fuck it. I'm going to take the job and, like, do this shit. But yeah, the whole, I think she likes you. We're in middle school thing. That was really Okay, but Andrew is literally like 14. So. He is? He no. Is. He's not. He's literally 14. Then I should not be attracted to him. <laughs> no, no. The actor is definitely in his mid to late 20s. But Great. I mean, that comment great. puts him firmly in grade school. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that whole conversation was super childish. Like it, it was just so like middle school comedy. It would fit better in like Big Mouth or something. That's <laughs> oh, a great show. So, Sammy, you should make a uh, fringe or offshoot episode of this podcast where you watch the Ottoman series on Netflix. Oh, yeah. where he's, he's like a very, very strong, convincing, sexy. Yeah. Yes. Maybe we should do that show next. I'd be yeah. very in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, he's he's so much more attractive on that show. Like on this show, I don't find him attractive at all because he's yeah. so young. Sammy's thirst factor is about to go way up. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. She's gonna be drinking that tea. <laughs> she got that tea ready every episode. Her thirst. Oh god. <laughs> Oh I'm not invited to this podcast. <laughs> I know already. They're going to film it in secret <laughs> or tape it. 
Okay, so Mazar had a wife and a child that were strangled, and then he strangles my darling Emir. Does that mean <laughs> that he strangled his wife my and daughter? Honey. Ergo? Oh, Obviously. I don't think so. I mean, I know what happened, but like, I don't <laughs> think, if I didn't know, I would still not think that. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, he definitely seems to have like gone I mean, off the deep end after that, you know. Yes, like, the, the self-flagellation thing. Yeah, is a problem. But maybe he's beating like, himself he's... because he strangled his wife, and that's bad. Mm. Isgi, I have a question. I know in some parts of the of the Muslim world, like Pakistan, it's common for people to actually do the self-laceration. Really? Um, <laughs> I didn't know that. One of the holidays. Oh, I think it's one of the holidays that commemorates like the killing of of Ali or who's or Hussein. Like, so they actually have this holiday where they literally like cut their backs with glass. Like, like they hit themselves with things that have glass on the ends. Like, it's really gruesome and dramatic. So I was just thinking, like, if that has that could be a religious thing, or if it's probably not a religious thing. I yeah, mean, I've... it's really fucked up and guilt-driven and weird so it's probably a religious thing okay okay shia (laughs) muslims mourn during muharram so storytelling weeping self-flagellation and reenactments of the battle of karbala form the crux of observances so this is when hussein ibn ali grandson of prophet muhammad was martyred by the forces of the second umayyad caliph the Battle of Karbala, 680 AD. Okay, and the... Okay, so Muharram's a month, is one of the months, I believe, and Ashura, Turkish Ashure, is like... At least in Sunni Islam, which is what I technically am, we just, like, make this giant... It's called Noah's Pudding, uh, is what Ashura translates to. We make this big... Everyone makes this big vat of, like... It's, like, sweet with chickpeas and, and pomegranate seeds and weed and stuff it's like a very hearty stew slash dessert and it's you give it out to your neighbors like that's how we like sunni muslims one of the things sunni muslims in turkey do to commemorate that holiday but it sounds like it's quite a different tone (laughs) in other parts (laughs) of the muslim world i don't remember ever hearing about it as a day of mourning or as a month of mourning so it seems definitely more of a shia thing that's interesting yeah i mean also i guess he's albanian so there's like no ties to southeast asia or anything that could tie him back yeah no i think that's just literally like we were talking in one of our earlier episodes like classic creepy potentially supernatural person behavior is (laughs) self-harm speaking of creepy behavior he really wants hakan to break up with layla which is like such a bizarre there's like a we should really just drop the crime counter and have like they love objectification counter. Yeah, we should do that you're right. times every episode oh my gosh it would be so horrifying yeah um, and <laughs> Hakan like is going to do it like before yeah. his pep talk with Faisal he's like oh okay I guess I'll break up with her what the fuck sorry I should have saved that for the so we can that can be our segue <laughs> he was played so easily in the episode like from one one second he's like super conflicted and like I don't know what to do and then, like, he has a 10-minute conversation. And then he, with then he gets laid, he's like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. Okay, I'm going to make, like, a dumb comment, but, like, 
their profiles like he has such a like his nose is like perfectly like straight and like he's like oh, very man. angular and then her nose is like very different so it's weird when you see them like profile to profile because they're just are like, you a face awesome. reader their noses aren't compatible <laughs> their destiny doesn't hold that they should be together yes <laughs> yeah. has anyone else seen indian matchmaking that was a yes i did i did and i was thinking is... exactly about that <laughs> i knew it <laughs> Is that your but next not, not when I watch the episode. Just hearing your comments. <laughs> I would like to issue a disclaimer to our listeners that yes, I know Indian matchmaking is a highly problematic show and there are many good think pieces about it, but it was still enjoyable trash TV. Thank you. <laughs> and I've, I've read like every single piece because I think it's a very interesting reflection. <laughs> I meant to like not have this tangent happen. <laughs> Just ignore the tangent thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, so let's talk about how we're going to get rid of this fucking professor dude who I hate so much. Such a Yeah, I get it, like, one episode, I would say. He's going to, like, go rooting around in that secret room, and his blood's going to be drunk out of the chalice. I yes! <laughs> also, who's awesome. the other woman that's with him? Is she, like, the person who replaced Zeynep or something? No. Uh. I don't know. I don't know who that was. Yeah. His wife. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that we talked like a couple episodes ago about how it was nice that this show wasn't based on Arthurian legends. And then we have like <laughs> the chalice myth. Oh. Very Indiana Jones slash yeah. Christianity slash Dan Brown. Gotta, I mean, there's sorry self-flagellation, so gotta keep the, yeah. the Dan Brown themes. <laughs> there's a museum now too. Holy moly, Lou, and then oh yeah, you're right, y'all. Oh my gosh, it's like the book by that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was, I was gonna say that that chalice looked really like cheap and not antique. That Tune in like, next that week for Antique Roadshow. Byzantine <laughs> 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 Antique Roadshow. <laughs> I don't know that it just kind of like threw off my imagination because like it just looked like a really bad prop so I was like okay fine to Whatever. be fair some of the yeah some of the stuff in that room I'm not thinking specifically about the chalice but like there was like some art or something like it all kind of looked like you know your crazy aunt's storage like in her like, just, just stuff in her closet it wasn't like it. that moment in national treasure where they light up the thing and all the gold it wasn't quite the yeah that level of excitement yeah. but there's still another door so we don't know mm. wait for the excitement yeah also move? it's weird oh. like how did mazar find that door like is his job also like chief finder of shady places and things yeah i don't know he's like the fixer i guess so they call him first when they find something but yeah i don't know and then also i wanted so Faisal, we should probably start actually, since we seem to not have the crying counter and we're going to do the Layla objectification counter, we should also have the Faisal as a creepy fucking boss counter because he comes on to Zainab in this weird way where he's like, I knew another woman like you. And I'm, that was so creepy. And I assume he's talking about that Ruya woman who we maybe was his like lost love or something, but 
that was super creepy and also she was stuck down there in the dark dungeon where no one could hear her scream and I was very concerned. Wow. Yeah. When you think about <laughs> like that, that is pretty alarming. <laughs> yeah, he is he is um he doesn't know his boundaries at all with any of the women he's around. He hasn't done anything overt overt other than like verbally overt, but <laughs> yeah. He has like a weird tone of voice also that sounds like so emotionless that it makes it creepier as well. He's like good at these creepy roles. He played um, the vizier um, Ibrahim on Magnificent Century, who's like Hudram's rival and very, very, very power hungry and very jealous of Hudram, like because she had Suleiman's attention for the most part, like in terms in matters of state as well as personal matters. (laughs) So. Horrible Masum show also. I don't He might remember. if he got fat, he could have been one of the brothers. <laughs> well, I don't remember him being on, but he could be um, on. Oh, yeah, he was, he was, he was. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah. I forgot he was on that. Yeah. So highly unrecommend the opposite we're, of recommend that we're show. We're definitely gonna do that. Oh my god, it was so awful. <laughs> Lots to talk about, but Masum Innocent. What is it about? It's like it's an a murder mystery. murder mystery, but everyone is awful. Everyone is depressed. Everyone is schizophrenic and wow. everyone is ugly. So it's a real bummer all around. All right. Wow. Yep. That'll be an easy one for us to knock out eight episodes. <laughs> it's true. We can go through it really quickly. <laughs> I was very confused about Timur said, like, I need, we need to let the other loyal ones know. Mm. But we talked last episode about how they work in cells. Like, how would they let everyone know that he's bad? Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't, like, we've been assuming that they don't have a way to communicate because it definitely seems that way. I mean, they didn't talk to Aisha. They didn't know who Emir was. So if they have some, like, bat signal that they can use, that would kind of be a hole in the plot I think but maybe they yeah. just need to get Hakan caught on TV taking some bullets and not going down and then everyone will know <laughs> but then the immortal will know too yeah he already does kind of mm-hmm. they know he exists all right so now we're gonna move on to our history section Today we're going to talk about the Galata Tower, or Galata Kudesi, which was featured in a couple of the shots around the neighborhoods that the characters in our show were in this episode. So I don't know which one of you guys wants to start on this one. So Galata Tower is named after the colony that w- w- like was there. Istanbul that used to be kind of organized in a in a different way there was like a there was an italian colony which was where gingalata where the tower is because there were a lot of merchants from italy i think mostly from genoa Genoa. between 1273 and 1453 was when it was a genoese colony okay so they had a colony there there mostly people that were um you know merchants or or sailors and because of Istanbul's location and, and how strategic it was, it was an important place for, for merchants to kind of gather and, and sail from. And fun fact, Genoa is also where Christopher Columbus was from, I think. 
of where he sailed. Uh-oh. Uh, so, in fact, depending <laughs> whom you ask. That's so fun for a lot of people. <laughs> but anyway, just goes to show like the kind of sailors, I guess, that came from there. And it was a colony for, for a while. And again, like just to, for our listeners to kind of understand how really like cosmopolitan and, and multicultural Istanbul has been for, for so many years and how like it's really been a melting pot and how it's also really always been a really strategic geographical location where I think most, if not all European nations have somehow, you know, fought to be in or around or have control of the straits or have some sort of presence in the city. Um, and, I, and I think that's like also very enriching for, for the city in itself. So just some details about the tower. So it's located in Beolu, which is just across the Golden Horn from the old town part of Istanbul that we've been talking about in previous episodes. It is 67 meters tall, so 220 feet, which is really impressive. It actually doesn't look that tall when you're kind of on the ground next to it because it's on the top of a hill and the angles kind of make it not look that tall. But then when you go up to the top, the view that you get from there is really unbelievable. And it was actually, there was a previous tower in the same location that it replaced called the Old Tower of Galata, which was one of the anchors for the great um, sea chain that was the proof of the impenetrability of Istanbul and that Mehmet the conqueror found a way around in his conquest which maybe we'll talk about at some point in this history section because that's a pretty amazing story. It also is the site of like a historical fun fact that is completely unprovable which is that this person named Hezarfan Ahmed Chelebi flew as the first intercontinental aviator because he jumped off the top of Galata Tower and flew over to Uskudar on the Asian side of the Bosphorus and therefore made his mark um, before anyone else. So that's a fun claim to fame that (laughs) the tower likes to keep. It was used as a fire watchtower for the most part and I think probably during the time of the colony it was used as a watchtower to see if anyone was approaching the Genoese colony and what was going on around them. And the the neighborhood is now, well, Galata is, is sometimes still used um, colloquially as the, for the neighborhood name, but the official name, oh, well, it's in Beola, which is the district, as Sammy already said. Karaköy is more, I would say, the official, official name of the, of the neighborhood um, within Beolu, but Galata is still used very frequently uh, by Turks as well. And another name for it is also Pera, basically Galata, Pera, Karaköy. These are all, you know, in the, also in the Turkish or Istanbul imagination are also remembered and, and still viewed as somewhat more cosmopolitan than the rest of the city. Um, always had a big, a concentration of like Armenian churches, Greek Orthodox churches, Catholic churches, as well as mosques, of course, there've always been a lot of mosques everywhere, especially, I mean, obviously after the conquest. So it's, it's definitely, you can still definitely see marks of that architecture of that European influence that especially the Christian Ottomans had because they were often merchants and they would go back and forth and see it. And obviously the Genoese are also straight up European and there are a lot of neat 
neat buildings that you know used to be banks they're now hotels or very grand hotels mm -hmm. so if, if anyone has who's listening has a particular interest in architecture like obviously stumble's got a whole smattering of styles but you can really <laughs> feel like you're in a, in a more western european city when you're walking around that neighborhood and then you cross the golden horn and you're surrounded by all of the foxy old city stuff so it's, it's you can get you can pretty much get all of history and all of the styles you want <laughs> with, the, with the week's yeah. trip to Istanbul. Yeah, so the last time I was in Istanbul, which was um, I guess a year ago, I was there for two weeks and I stayed in an Airbnb in Galata because you can get so easily to the old city, but also to Taksim and to the subway system so you can really get anywhere. And it was a really nice place to live. Highly recommend it because you don't if you're living outside of the old city, then you tend not to eat in the old city, which we've already discussed is a yeah. very important part of being a tourist in Istanbul. And there's some yeah. really great restaurants around the Galata and Istiklal areas. So, yeah. And if, if you read like any European stories or, or like, I think there's even like an Agatha Christie, like Poirot novel set in Istanbul and they usually talk about Pera because it used to be like such a big congregation for Europeans even at the at the later stages of the of the empire it's usually referenced a lot in in some like European literature from like the 1950s or like around that time and apparently Pera means the other side in Greek <laughs> so that's just an interesting Thing. I just I always thought like, it was just like a transformation of para, which means money, because all the banks were there. <laughs> I guess oh. not. Okay going to move on to our WTF Hakan section. I have quite a few. Only one actually references Hakan, but I can go first. <laughs> Please. So we discussed this, but I think it merits another discussion. Zainab spitting on the floor of her own home. <laughs> That's really gross. Yeah. But it's I don't bone, understand. I <laughs> then yeah, Hakan needing Faisal's pep talk to be able to continue dating Layla. That's not chill. She should break up with him immediately for being mm -hmm. a pussy. Um, <laughs> Faisal breaking the doorknob of the ancient Byzantine safe yeah, storage locker. That. Mm -hmm. that was not cool. There was definitely something written on there. It was definitely in Greek. He didn't old. read it. I can't believe he didn't read it. I know. Like he just shattered it. What kind of archaeology is that? And yeah, then my last, what the fuck is for Hakan? I was just so shocked. It's actually a positive, but when he refuses to spy for the journalist, he's like, hey, don't you think this Mazar character is probably pretty dangerous? You should probably give up and go home before you get hurt. And I was like, wow, Hakan, that was really great advice. I'm proud of you. That's, yeah, I never yeah. thought we could have a positive one, but that's true. <laughs> it was just shocking. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so funny. Um, the way that you just said that was so, I, I was so funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think for me, my what the fuck was with the journalist for sure. Yeah. With the pills. 
Yeah. He seems like a really competent who, journalist before who, that like, point. Who, like, pours half of his freaking, like, brain pills <laughs> all over his hands and then, like, leaves them on the street. Like, what? Dude. Also, yeah. like, why did he get kicked out so harshly from the building? Like, he was just running he, up yeah, the that driveway. Was, that was super extreme. Yeah, like, he had, like, all... <laughs> he was, like, screaming. That was too extreme for my taste. Speaking about 360s, um, he really had a 360-degree turn in this episode. <laughs> Meaning that he went back to the same place he was at the start. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, my God. So that was my um, what the fuck Sophia was that comment. <laughs> I think my most what the fuck was the sweat dripping, raining. <laughs> that was too much for me. I was wondering if maybe I like looked away for a second and she had poured some water on her head the to cool herself down. Super style. <laughs> but yeah, that was really disgusting. It was like a waterfall of sweat coming off. Yo, of her if, nose. have you ever have any either of you ever boxed the entire night and and all of your free time? <laughs> no, so you don't know what would happen to your body and your sweat glands. <laughs> I stand firm in my theory that all she does is box when like she, I don't know rolling around well, playfully with Hakan. That's why she's falling behind on her PhD. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Too much boxing. That's right. Stay in school. <laughs> what are your what the fuck, Hopcon, Ezgi? The pills. Yeah. The yeah. Pl- I just could not get over the brain pill crisis that he had. Like, what a way- <laughs> He had a lot know. of pills in that bottle. Yeah. Yeah, I also just, like, I mean... My my funniest, I mean, what I think are funny, which probably means they aren't funny, but my funniest bullet points are around, like, in the creepy apartment where Emir is, like, strolling. Uh-huh. Like, what the fuck him for going in there by himself? And then what the fuck, like, producers and set designers for making the most obviously creepy apartment? <laughs> yeah. Like, any, I mean, any TV just, show I've seen recently. And then he's still fucking dead. Oh, my God. That's it. No. The only thing that was, that <laughs> was missing love. was, like, a paint, like a drawing by a child of like a death scene or like something yeah dark. yeah that's the only thing that was like a missing. talking doll i really enjoyed when he flicked the switch and the light went out yes that was you knew something bad was gonna go down yep yep <laughs> all right did we do it we did it, we did it. all right Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode. Next time we'll be tackling season one, episode seven of The Protector. I hope all of you are crossing your fingers that my darling Emir will be okay. His ass Hopefully is all the way dead. From the dead. We're going to be at his funeral next episode. No! <laughs> his dad was never said he's proud of him. He can't die yeah. yet. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys.